The first cut, cut, the first cut, the first cut, cut, first, the first, first cut, 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 cut. Hi, welcome back to Crab Truck. Uh, my name's Jesse. I'm sitting in here for uh, Mr. Jeff. Uh, he's not here at the moment, uh, who had the honor, by the way, of interviewing today's interviewee, uh, Douglas Christ. I'm in the room now with Emily, your other you know, perennial host here at In the Cut. Uh, perennial, like all year round? Uh, kind of half a year. Like I'm always blooming? You're, you are always blooming. <laughs> you are and always I smell in- great <laughs> and seasonal. So for the seasonal cut of In the Cut. Uh, now, okay, I should say our editor told us, our editor told us that this episode could and should have been three episodes, but we had to smush it down, at least on the online version, into only a two-parter. But here in this unedited In the Cup podcast, you get the full meal deal. So Douglas Christ has edited Spring Bakers, Arbitrage, Babel. I mean, he's he was awesome. Uh, we hope you enjoy this interview. Jeff, I'm sorry you couldn't be here to... He's doing... He's on his paper route right now. He does that to make a few extra shekels, you know, in yeah. between. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. So. He okay. supports the community. He does. Yeah. He's nice that way. Yeah. He would want you to listen to this. So, he would. Uh, he would yeah. want you to listen to this. Or watch the episode on crafttruck.com. Perhaps you've heard of it. Oh, that's a very nice plug. Yeah. Alan. I Thanks think I'm that. just going to head on over there right now. Maybe yeah. Google will tell me where to find it. I'll just teach you simple cuts to start with. Yeah, but don't worry about it. It's fine. Okay. Pretend we haven't. Okay. Pretend we haven't. Okay. Yeah. yeah now that I've said that, just pretend. Okay. Okay. No, it's just, no I'm fine. I just was... Uh, yeah. Uh, I didn't know if you were starting or not. Yeah. Okay, I'll start. Um, now, how did I get cutting? Well, um, I um, basically, you know, yeah, I started out just like you said, assisting. I got a huge list of credits, and um, I started working with um, Stephen Marioni. Right. And uh, who's fabulous and right. very good, and uh, and I worked with him for ten years. And when we were working, what, what, what was it? The bigger credits under him, I think the oceans, right? The oceans, um, the traffic, um, traffic, good night, good luck, um, all those twenty-one grams. Can I ask you a question about good night and good luck? Yeah, go ahead. End of the movie. I saw it once in the theater. Okay, but I never forgot this because I was starting to pay attention to, to filmmaking, right? End of the movie, it's like Clooney and uh, and, and, and David Strait Aaron have a meeting with Frank Langella, right. I think, and then they, they get up and they leave, and the, the, the camera pans over and as they're walking across the frame, and it rests on... Um, on on, on McCart- uh, no, McCart- no, it's on Eisenhower. On Eisen- on Eisenhower, sorry. Yeah. On Eisenhower giving this speech. Right. And then it cuts... It, it, it goes back to the beginning. It matches back to the beginning, which was an intro from Straight Aaron at a public event. Okay. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, speaking, that's right. And then, he says, and then he sends it good night and good luck, and the movie's over, right? Right. Was it supposed to end on Eisenhower? And then you um, put those in as bookends afterwards? No, I believe it was, it was always supposed to be a bookend. Oh, really? That's how it was planned. Oh, because yeah. I just thought that was the perfect ending of the movie. You know, uh, like, you know, like sort of like this social commentary about how things have changed. You know? Right. No, it was always. Uh, the I was. I, I think I even bet someone that that's how it was. It's. It's one of those movies. I lost. That, you know, I. I. I've probably only saw it a few times because yeah. I didn't work on the whole movie. It was. It was. It was one of these. Another deals is how we talk about getting cutting is yeah. um, that movie. Um, I started that movie and I worked through the whole way through Davies and 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 did some cutting on it, but then Babel was starting. And I went off and started Babel. And who are you? Who are you assisting for? On, or, no, you I cut Babel. Yeah, I cut, I cut Babel. Right. So I got to yeah, I got to cut Babel with uh, Mariani. And uh, but you see, because um, I started off cutting Babel while Stephen finished Good Night, Good Luck. So I. So at that point, you're kind of like a team. Yeah. So it wasn't like um, I wasn't. I didn't get to uh, stick around for the whole end. So I, I didn't see like I didn't work on Good Night, Good Luck because they went off to Italy and everything. And cut it there at George's house, so I got to miss out on the Italy part. But I got to, but I got to cut Babel. You didn't so, get invited to George's house. No, I would have been invited if I'd worked on the film during that period. But I only was worked on it during the shoot when they were shooting. In didn't the that suck a little bit though? It did. Just okay. a little bit. Just a little bit. Because they had a really good time. I yeah. Mean, George has a uh, a really nice supposed house to be pretty posh. With you know, there's like a lake or something like that, and it had nice dinners and. He's got like chefs coming in and yes. stuff like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's coming here later, actually. Oh, he is? Yeah, just to, to give us dinner and let us swim. Oh, and like, okay. I don't well, know if you knew that or not. No, I, I know that he has a, a great uh, lady who uh, was his chef that was, uh, was actually a Puerto Rican lady who cooked amazing Italian food. So You're killing me. That's who... But I never got to taste it. Right. So... I know, I know, it's things. Anyway, so, but did you guys get the job on Babel because of, you know, essentially the, the, I mean, I'm inferring here. I already inferred once and was incorrect. Okay. But my guess is something like, you know, working on traffic with intersecting storylines. Well, the big reason we got it is because we did 21 Grams. Which oh, was same all, director. Same director. All yeah, yeah. So, yeah, because um, basically I had been cutting a little bit on my own off on the side and I'd always cut scenes with Steven but it was on 21 grams that you know I did a lot of early assembling but then that was another time where I left I left early to go uh, start Criminal which was uh, a movie that Greg Jacobs directed and Steven Soderbergh produced and uh, I did the whole assembly on that while Steven was finished 21 grams was it frustrating at all being an assistant wanting to move into editing or was it was it always just you were happy doing what you were doing, and then you moved, you know, or... Uh, I was starting, I think I was starting to get a little bored with assisting. Right. You know, I, I wanted to cut. I mean, I was very comfortable assisting. I mean, I knew everything I had to do. I mean, the, the job was changing a lot over the years because film was getting phased out more, and we were doing more high-def things, and we are doing new things. The Avid things were changing, and the software changing, and there's visual effects are changing, all this stuff's changing. But essentially, I knew the job pretty well. And uh, and I got to do a lot of cutting, and I wanted to basically, I did want to start. I, I felt that it was time for me to move on, to just try to cut stuff on my own. Got it. So yeah, it was that was that. That's how it basically started. We you know I would go start a movie, and then Steve would come finish it. And oh really? Yeah, that's kind of what was going on toward the end in a way. So does that mean that? I mean, th- does that mean that you're sitting down and physically cutting scenes, and then he's just kind of either choosing to redo a bit, tweak it a bit, or or completely throw out what you're you're doing if he doesn't both. feel it's working? Both. Both. I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, it's um, you know, I I felt I you know I did the assembly on like criminal. I felt uh, I won't say I felt on criminal. Uh, I did the assembly, and he Stephen said to me one of the nicest things he said was, uh, "You did a terrific job." And the movie really didn't change that much. I mean, Stephen came on and finished it, and it pretty much stuck. Now, Babel was another story. I did the assembly on that, and Stephen started on it before we were even done shooting. And he would start tearing apart my stuff, and um, you know, and and change it even more. What's the and, challenge about cutting a movie? What's the challenge about cutting a movie um, where it's three? Loosely connected, not loosely, but like you know, the intersecting points of the three stories. There's, there's uh, Brad Pitt and Gwyneth, I think it's Gwyneth Paltrow, right? No, and, it's Brad Pitt and um, Kate Blanchett. We're just going to edit up me getting it wrong. Yeah, okay. It's, it's yeah. Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett in the in 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 in, in, in the desert. Yeah. Um, then it's their kids, mm-hmm. and then it's the I believe the Japanese Japanese story story. Yeah. So between those three stories. It, where, where does the challenge I mean because you see the movie it is compelling the whole way through mm-hmm. the movie's completely compelling and right. you're absorbed by these dramas I guess you could say what was what's the, the hardest part about cutting I, I don't think um, there's anything particularly more difficult in okay. that aspect because of the way that you know the movie is scripted to be intercut between the stories and it's it's all you know, a matter of cutting it together. I mean, the challenge initially for me is it's not my language. I mean, I, I don't I don't speak English. I mean, I speak English. I, I speak English, but I don't I don't speak Spanish, and I don't speak um, Japanese. Japanese or um, Arabic or or Farsi, and um, I don't uh, speak any of those languages. So it's a matter of trying to figure out how to cut it. And the way I work is like. For the part that took place in Morocco, um, we um, I'd lay it down. I'd look at the script, see what they're supposed to say, and I'd, cut, I'd, cut, I'd put subtitles on top of it, uh, like a master shot. And then I'd have to go and start cutting the coverage in and figure out if I'm understanding what they're saying. <laughs> so it's a matter of putting it together. 
initially. And so you, there's nobody there to actually just give you like automatic subtitles. No, I don't. Or? I don't know. No, <laughs> there's no one. In fact, at least with the Spanish part, I'm able to pull in some people from the office that can help me. There's people around. My one of my assistants on the show spoke Spanish, so that was the way you figured out what was being said. Yeah, because being an Alejandro Spanish, that is the part that they went off script. Where I don't think in Morocco they ever really went off the script, and they didn't have a script supervisor. That was in Morocco. They had the the translator was basically the script supervisor, so <laughs> she would she would translate for Alejandro and, and they would do that, but they never actually had a good script supervisor, so I don't know. But what we did at the end is we brought in translators to make sure we weren't chopping words off, we weren't, uh, that we had good translations and we used the translators to help us work out the subtitles for the end. But yeah. even with that being said, we sometimes would change what the subtitle says to be what we wanted to say rather than what they actually saying. So, to a, I mean, to a reasonable poetic license degree, or to a, you know, they're talking mostly. about, you know, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and you're saying that, you know, don't put that gun down. No, it's not that extreme. Okay. It's, it's, it's poetic license, but right. it's, or finding a shorter way of saying it. Right. That's not, you know, that, so you don't have as much stuff to read. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, but it worked worked out. We uh, the translator came in and told us we did a good job. Most of them, they were like, you know. In fact, one time when I'm showing it with the, here's a story I'll tell you. The, the translator brought her in, and I was sitting with her watching the part Morocco, and and we you, you get jaded working on movies. You work on them, and you you know what's going to happen, and you it doesn't affect you, and you don't feel anything to some extent. Walter Murch calls this not seeing beyond the edges of the frame, right? Yeah, because basically. you're just you're just cutting what you get. Yeah, so there's the part I'm translating, and the little boy gets shot, you know, toward the end of the film, and she's like, oh, and I and I go, and I said, but what did they say there? What did they say? You know, was that right? And I run it back, and and I show it to her again, and she goes, oh, and I go, okay, but I need the translation, and I run it back again, and she, oh, and then finally I said to her, I said, okay, he's going to get shot again, all right? It's you know. Which is totally heartless on me. Yeah, yeah. um, You're a prick. I know. Yeah. (laughs) But a lovable one, uh, though. I know, but I I felt bad, and now I feel, you know. Yeah. You you didn't want to say, actually, he's not really getting shot. No. No, he's going to get shot again when I run this one more time so you can listen to the translation. So. (laughs) That is a great editing room story. yeah. Yeah. So, um, is there any particular scene on Babel that was really, really tough to cut and tough to... Well, you know, probably uh, the part that I worked on, you know, when, when, you know, that I did with... Um, the, the, we had a lot of trouble with the Mexico section. Um, Interesting. With, um, and, um, and getting that to work. And Stephen had told, said his main point was the way it was scripted when... Uh, um, Gael, who's driving the car, I don't remember the character's name anymore. Um, he's driving the car, he bursts through the border, and he drops him off in the desert, and he takes off. It wasn't originally scripted that way. You know, he, he drops him off, and he takes off, and then you hear the police catch up to him and gun him down, and then they're, like, left in the desert. And Stephen's whole point was, well, they would find them, they would know they were in the car, they would look for them, they'd be looking for them everywhere. So what we did is we edited it in a way that... The car, it looks like the car turned down a road and the police don't follow them. So it's just done where you see the car go down the dirt road and then we cut to a a by of the police car going by. Well, they're not going by the road, it's just a a by shot they shot. So it it looks like he lost them. So he dumps them off and he runs off and that's why his character kind of just disappears from the film. So... Uh-huh. So then they're left it's in the completely desert. seamless when you watch it. Yeah, and so then when they got up the next, when it's the next morning, they're wandering around the desert. And Stephen says, "Well, it doesn't make any sense. They'd be wandering around the desert." He says, "Wouldn't this lady come to her senses and say, hey, 'Hey, I got to help these kids. We can't die out here. I got to get them some help.'" Mm-hmm. So, um, so I figured out when I was working on the section there was a point where they're walking and they sit down and they like rest for two seconds. And then, she, then somebody's coming so she runs to get help. And um, so that's where we decided to start the next section, like they've been sleeping. So they get up and she's screaming for help immediately. She's like, hey, help us, we're stuck out here. 
and that made more sense than her just like kind of wandering the desert. And that was a, it was actually a very simple answer in some respects, but it didn't come to us immediately. And it's like, and then, then we have her fall a road so that she's not like wandering aimlessly, like she's trying to find her way out, but it, the road ends up being a dead end. So she like went the wrong way or something. Right. Where she, you know, before she was just kind of walking around. So you completely changed basically the, the narrative action. Not, I mean, yeah. it still achieved the effect of the, of the ideas of the story, but it, it would just change the, the, the beats that were there from what was shot to yeah. what ended up. Right. right. Yeah. So it made, it made more logical sense. It, um, there was a lot less wandering around. I mean, it was a very long section. We had to find ways to shorten it up. And, and that was one of the sections I probably worked on a lot that we had some trouble with. I mean, the big thing that I know Alejandro and Steven tried early was mm-hmm. trying to cut between the stories more rapidly than how it was scripted. You know, spend less time with each story and move. But they figured out very early on that the way it was scripted was right. That we need to spend like 20 minutes with each section and, 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 and not go between them as quickly. Let them evolve. Yeah, but then we ultimately, what ended up coming out of the film, there was a sub, there was a, um, a, um, What's the word? Uh, a um, a subplot to. I'm never going to give it a B a, story. Yeah, there was a subplot to the Mexico story where once she gets down there, the bride's not showing up, and she right. has to go get the bride and bring her to the wedding, and so they decided to lift that, those things out. So, so the only thing that really changed from the script in a big way was when we cut to the stories between the different ones and what sections got pulled out. But the structure was always pretty much there. And the structure of this movie ended up being how it was written. Right. So so what was the first film you cut without Stephen? Were you... Uh, it was The Nines. The Nines. With okay. John August, yeah. Right. And this is a kind of a bizarre indie mm-hmm. with multiple personalities of the, uh, of the main character played by Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Right. Um, tell us about, you know, was, what, was, what was your experience of cutting that? Well, it was a good experience. I like John a lot. Um, I actually met John on Go. He was the writer of Go. Right. And he, while I was on it, he had me edit a short for him called God, starring Melissa McCarthy. And, and um, so it was sort of the prequel to The Nines. <laughs> so, when he wrote the, so when he was doing The Nines, he called up and asked me to do it. And uh, it was a very easy-going experience. I mean, John... What I like working about with John and a lot of fellas like him who write their own stuff is I find it really easy because a writer never runs out of ideas on how to rewrite the movie. So it's the same thing. You know, what we found out with that movie was he had piled up too much of the explanation into the third act. That um, it, was, it, was, it was letting too much, trying to tell everybody, okay, now this is what's really going on. And it was all in the third act. So he came up with the idea to put what they called an interstitial part mm-hmm. that happened between part two and part three, where you see this, and it goes into this uh, very narrow framing where it's, uh, it's split screens. And it reminds you from something from part one, and it's told in the middle. And that was just so, let's reveal a little bit of what's going on so that the audience isn't completely lost and and then that way we're not at the end we're going okay here's the whole what really happened part you know so it made it he thought it worked better that way so that's and I like that working with guys who write their stuff they 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 always have a good idea on how to make it better you know I I don't really find the cliche of a writer not letting go of his material being true at all it's right. never, it's never really happened to me although you are talking about a writer director in this case yeah where they. By virtue of getting beat up through production, or just thrilled to be able to have the control in in the poster, you know, in, in the edit suite. I mean, I'm inferring. But. Well, but I've had the luxury of working with directors who write a lot. They, too. they write a lot, and they also um, have a pretty good power over their film. They're not right. They're not. They, uh, they've got good producing partners. That they're not in a situation where they're being pressured a lot, or they're being, you know, they 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 seem to. Um, they seem to be have control of their film. Speaking of, you know, directors that are willing to to really pare things down and don't get protective over their stuff, or don't, you know, w- you know, want to make sure that the lock picture is still three and a half hours or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Mr. Soderbergh, yeah. I'm only assuming because he is so 
technically apt, and he did make a version of Solaris that was 92 minutes. Right. Um, pretty brutal, like pretty pretty able to just walk in and go, no, we can drop this, we can drop this, we can drop this. Um, well, he, um, yeah, he probably does, yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember specifically, you know, from working with him any specific stories about that, but he... He will change. Yeah, he will change stuff without too much worry. I mean, and he, and the thing about Soderbergh, he'll always keep. Um, he always has money in the budget for reshooting. He's one of these guys who always, like Woody Allen too. Yeah, he always reshoots pretty much to some extent. I don't. I mean, the films I worked with him on, he never had extensive reshoots, uh, but um, he did always have. He always went back and got something, and. Um, and usually those reshoots are to just tie together some narrative holes or... Yeah, or, uh, yeah, to find, um, or, you know, sometimes it can be small as just grabbing some inserts, but it's not usually a, a big thing. I mean, Traffic uh, probably had a bigger reshoot um, because they decided to go sh- reshoot a scene with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones and her husband in the jail and stuff like that. And to because the structure changed, so he realized he had to... Um, Change, he had to change, the scene had to be played differently. Oh, so, really? So it was, yeah. it was a performance issue? Mm-hmm. He decided, um, um, I could take a little credit for this one because the. the you uh, you could take a lot of credit. Okay, I can take a little credit. Yeah. The, what happened was. Doug's had, getting a little bit. Little bit yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. A little bit of Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, yeah, we, we previewed the movie, yeah. and, uh, and uh, when I saw the movie, you know, we showed it to a whole audience that we went to uh, Austin, Texas. And, and and Stephen came in to me, Marioni did. Stephen Marioni came in to me and he says, um, what'd you think? You know, and I and there was one thing that struck me a little odd was I says, It doesn't make sense that the uh, Catherine Zeta Jones character, Helena, I actually remember that character's name. Her um, her kid her husband gets arrested and and so and then her somebody tries to kidnap her son on the beach. And all this happened. And then she goes to see her husband in the jail, and she starts complaining that she can't use her credit card. And I go, it doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't she be asking her husband what's going on? I don't understand any of this. And why would she be complaining about a credit card when somebody just tried to kidnap her kid? I says, well, shouldn't that scene come earlier? Wouldn't the first thing she do is talk to her, wife, her husband? You know, go to the jail and say, what's going on? And, and he goes, oh. And so he, so he went in and told... Steven Soderbergh and says, "Hey, this is an idea," and um, and so they immediately restructured it all and realized it was a good idea. But then he realized the scene didn't work anymore. That that um, the um, the uh, interaction the interaction between Helena's character and her husband wasn't working um, because of the, the, how they played it. It right. was because it was it was like, well, I can't use my credit card. I can't use my credit card. This now she's like, he's. You get the the hint that her character's a lot more evil, and she's like, sort of maybe knew what was going on. And then her husband's feeding her some information, you know, sort of like you know, look at the painting. I forget how he put it in the movie, but look at the you know, look here. And so she was able to go home. And then then when her they try to kidnap her son after that fact, it plays better because she's her brain's moving. She's thinking, and. Um, you know, it, you know. Stephen said he. Stephen Soderbergh said that he didn't realize that that character, that part of the story, was having a problem until he, you know, moved that all around and changed that. So, it worked that's out. a good story. Yeah, I like that. Um. So, how and is Soderbergh, the, if I may say, Soderbergh? Just, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Is that cool? We usually call him Sody. Oh well. <laughs> If Sodi, yeah, yeah, if if Sodi, yeah. what, 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 how much time? Very hands on in the edit suite, or just sort of check in? Yep, I like it. I don't give notes, or is it more? Well, I you know I never worked with him directly on because all those movies Stephen Stephen was, was in the room, but yeah. Um, they, yeah, he he was not hands. I don't think he was hands on that way. Yeah, he would look at the cut and he'd be standing there, and they'd work together. I remember him standing up a lot. When he told, what was in the editing, he walks around the room. Pacing, yeah. Yeah, he kind of paces and talks and yeah. says this and that. Tries to play all cool, but at the end of the day, he's just another neurotic Jewish guy like the rest of us. Huh? Well, probably, but I, the, the, <laughs> the, ultimately, though, he, uh, you know, he's been cutting a lot. He cuts a lot of his own stuff. And, uh, yeah, he does. And yeah. he's definitely capable of doing it, but yet, you know, probably when he is working with someone, he's, 
you know, as it worked in the later movies like Ocean's Twelve, right. the two Stevens were cutting simultaneously. Um, wow. Steven Soderbergh was cutting on set while he was shooting, and Steve Mariani was cutting in the cutting room. <laughs> so it was... Brutal. The two of them were going at it. And then, you know, of course... Uh, Steven cuts a lot of his, Steven Soderbergh cuts a lot of so he cuts a lot of his own stuff now um, so uh, as far as now but Ocean's Eleven yeah arguably um, one of the best edited films I would say if it's kind of what it's kind means it's a heist movie but when it actually gets to the part of the movie of the story that is the heist right. it does this wonderful flashing into the in and out of the actual heist from the planning of the heist. Right. And still manages to construct a, a narrative arc that feels like you're, like, you know, you're still being kept ahead of the, uh, kept, you know, the story staying ahead of the audience, but at the same time, it just moves so fast and so beautifully. Right. Um, was that scripted that way, or was it just, was it just, yes. the, okay, so, okay, so it was all, it was all scripted that way. That was not. That was scripted that way, and it was also very, um, that was a, one of these movies that was very simply shot. It was, I think Soderbergh planned out all the shots, and there, you know, there, there's a, in many ways a minimal amount of editing in that film on how it, you know, it was scripted that way, and he shot pretty long takes on a lot of things, and you know, the scenes that were, I'm not saying the scene in the movie, of course it's cut, but I mean, it's. Um, it's uh, not a thing where it's built, the uh, concept's not built in the cutting room on how it's going to be put together. Right. So it, that was basically too... Yeah. Got it. Yeah, it was, in, it was in the scripting. Well, it's a beautifully cut movie. Yeah. Uh, it, was, could you, was, was, was it arduous to get it there, or did it just kind of... No, I don't... I don't I, I, again, this is one I didn't cut at all. No, I know, but, <laughs> but you were there. I was there. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think it was an arduous one. Actually, it was not as arduous as say traffic or you know right. some of the other ones. Yeah. Okay, so let's flash forward in time now to your 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 editing okay. and your 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 the stuff that you know where you're in the driver's seat in the editing room. Okay. As far as your experience working with various directors, you worked with several directors now. Right. Um, what do you find is that relationship? Is it is it half the time you're trying to chill them out, calm them down? Uh, you know, does it depend on the guy, on the director who you're working with? I mean. Well, um, I you know it, it varies between the, the dynamic of the director and her personality. I mean, most of the time, it's it's just being the person who operates the system and cuts you know cuts the movie and puts it together, and then has to um, it's a, you're, you give them feedback constantly, and they'll give you their point of view and their ideas, and you'll you know you'll try them and you'll you'll. You go back and forth. I mm-hmm. mean, that dynamic is, it's more of a, you know, it's a collaboration for the most part. I mean, it's just, um, um, I wouldn't say, d- different directors have different ways of working. Um, some give you more time to work on your own, others sit behind you more. It's in, I can take, I'm fine either way. I don't mind. Right. You know, I don't mind a guy who sits behind me as long as he's pleasant. Sometimes they're not so pleasant, but, <laughs> you know, um, but usually they are, right. and it's just a matter of uh, having that collaborative feel, and you know, and um, I don't know how to put that. Well, no, I think I think I think you just put it pretty well, actually. Okay. I think you just put it pretty pretty seamlessly. Uh, sorry, um, my phone is ringing, but that's okay. You can answer it. I can answer it. You can answer it right now if you want to. Okay, if it's your agent, especially. It is actually my agent. Go ahead, go ahead. Can I get it? Yeah. Hello. Can I give you a call back? Mm-hmm. All right, I will. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Doug's a busy guy. Okay. All right, thanks. All right, bye. Sorry. No, it's okay. No, it's... Is actually a, I think on the on the uh, director's commentary to Narc, it's got Joe Carnahan and and uh, John Gilroy. Yeah, it's Tony's brother, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a good, good high working editor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, he in the middle of the director's commentary, his phone rings. Yeah. 
No big deal. Yeah. Besides, we're going to put in you answering your phone. All right. Yeah, we're, we're going to do the whole thing. You know, we're going to make it look like it's tape squiggle, like, you know, okay. scrubbing and stuff like that. Anyway. All right. So, um, I just watched Arbitrage. Right. You got it. Yeah. Really good picture. Mm-hmm. A really good picture. Yeah. Um, there's one interesting edit in there that I wanted to ask you about. Okay. Uh, early in the movie, maybe maybe 30 minutes into the movie, just in, into the second act, um, Richard Gere is with the girlfriend, the mistress, and they're getting into an argument and sort of cuts from her upset to her lying down. Right. And it's kind of like a... A time jump. A time jump. Right. But you don't really... You notice it for maybe half a second watching, then it just goes away. Right. Was it? Was there a lot that you cut out there? Was it just? Was it just? Yeah, there was. Well, it wasn't a lot that we cut out, but it was. It was a fair amount. Yeah, there was. Um, and we didn't come up with that on our own. I, I wish I could take the credit for that, or Nick could take the credit for it. It was one of his friends. We kept wondering. There, the, the section was, you know, she's upset. I think Gear goes over and comforts her. Yeah. And talks to her, and then she got up and mad and walked away, and then he sits there, but. In the way it is now in the final film, I believe you know she's she's just upset, and then it cuts to her laying down, laying down, right? Yeah, and then I think he comforts her. Or something. Yeah, and then he comes in and comforts her. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, it was a matter of just getting out of that situation. We didn't have coverage, and we didn't have we didn't have any other way of getting out of it. And it just it just makes it actually worked amazingly well. I remember when Nick showed it to me, he actually went ahead and did the cut without me in the room because I think he, his friend told him that the night before, and I come the next day and. He says, look at this. And I go, and my, 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 my draw just dropped. I'm like, why didn't we think of that? Right. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's yeah. always those friends that come yeah. in with those notes, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. How do, you know, we, kept, we, we must have tried a, you know, half a dozen or dozen other ideas on how to yeah. get out all that quicker. Um, because, yeah, there was a fair amount cut out of that whole scene. Yeah. yeah. Another question I'm going to ask, which is another inference. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I may be totally left field. End of the movie. Yeah. Richard Gere is now his character. He's basically like Orson Welles in Citizen Kane. He's lost everything. Mm-hmm. You know, he's lost his family. He's lost his empire. He can either go to jail or just take a, a sedentary, menial life. Right. Menial for what he's used to. Right. Uh, it's a, the movie is about a story about basically a, a cross between Donald Trump and Bernie Madoff. Finally, his his empire of lies is unraveling in front of him. Right. The end of the movie, he's sitting at this banquet, and we know that everything has gone bust for him, and his daughter introduces him, and there's this wonderful shot from the back of his head where he's in focus. It's kind of a a, a Sodi type shot, if you will. And everybody starts applauding and stands up out of focus behind him. Mm -hmm. Couldn't we just cut right there? Go to credits? He gets up on the podium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was suggested by a few people that we could cut right there. But Nick, it all, I, I'd go 50-50 the way. I mean, you, I, were, you were torn. Yeah, I like what we did. Uh, I'm not saying what you did didn't, wasn't great. No. I'm just saying I, 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 was, I was watching it with my wife going, that's the end of the movie. And, yeah. Yeah. and it wasn't. It wasn't. Then we cut to the front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the idea that Nick, I think, really wanted to get was he didn't want you to know the movie was really over yet. He wanted you to think, oh, he's going to say something. There's gonna, he is going to say something. And he's like, oh, the movie's, you know, because you're convinced the movie's over. Right. And, and yeah, he gets up and he's, he looks like he's ready to open his mouth and then we cut out. Yeah, so it's just, that was sort of... So I, yeah, I could, yeah, the way you put it that way, you can see the... Yeah, that was sort of the idea. Um, right. Yeah, it could have probably ended earlier, but, it, you know, it was just a director's choice. I mean, ultimately, there are those things you come down to at the end where, yeah, some people say, do this, you say, do that. And it, it, you know, it's the director's preference. I think at some point, it just—it's like you know, this is what I want, and this is fine, and it's not—you know—it's not going to wreck the movie for you. Or by, by no means does it wreck the movie. Right. It was just one—I just thought that shot on the back of us is so telling, and we know that everything's bullshit. We know that it's all unraveled, and he's been introduced as a humanitarian into this, into that, and you know, right? You know, it's sort of like you know, this is what he's staring at is all a blur. Anyway, right. Um, uh, another scene in the same film. That was real, or not even a scene, a performance. What is the name of the African American actor who plays uh, Nate Parker? Okay, so the okay. scene, the scenes with Nate Parker. Yeah, what a performance! Mm-hmm. 
just out of nowhere, like the confidence of of of, of a great actor mm-hmm. coming across, and such a, a a completely believable relationship, right? That you sort of just feel like you're peering into, right? Um, was 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 was, was it, when you get the footage of a great performance like that? Was it? Did you have to help find it a lot, or was it just all there, like every take? No, it, it was all there. I mean, it, you know, Nate was. Um, Nate, yeah, he's fantastic, and. Uh, you know, and uh, Nick was that was one of the roles I know Nick told me he had he was you know, he originally had somebody else cast and that person dropped out and and so when he went with Nate, he was like unsure. He just, you know, it was like I, I don't know if if I, you know, I'm gonna take a chance with this guy but this I'm not sure. And, you know, as he you know, as everybody knows, what a great surprise. I mean the guy's just awesome. Yeah. Um the uh, the uh, yeah so yeah there's a lot Nate gives you some variation in what he does and he does it but he's pretty consistent mm-hmm. and uh, that's the type of actors that are great I mean they they'll they every performance they give you is good they're just a little different there's not there's not like a bad one in there it's not right. like oh I can't use this one it's horrible and where you have actors like that where you have to find their good good one. Because they've got the, the the four that aren't any good, right? And it's like you know, or I got to find this line that's better that I can use. And uh, but Nate's one of these guys where they never give you know. Kate Blanchett's another one of those people, I right? Mean, you know, it's just like there there is not a shit take among her, you know, <laughs> anywhere. It just isn't. I mean, right? It just it's just that that you you know, it's all good, right? And, Whereas Brad was probably loads of shit takes. Um, Brad. Yeah, Brad. Brad was fine. <laughs> no, Brad's good. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, was there any other scene? In, I mean, what's great about arbitrage is, is that it's it's kind of got a bit of a different structure, in as much as the A story hits and then the B story hits. Mm-hmm. You know, two catalysts, and then they're both resolved together at the end, not in a, in a sort of traditional way. Was there any, you know, because it's, you know, first we find out that his professional career is, is unraveling, and then the accident yeah. sets off, you know, uh, amplifies the same problem. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any other structural challenges in editing that story and putting, you know, and making this, what was, you know? It, it was, we, we, one of the common things you do in a cutting room, if you, you know, is you'll have your assistant make note cards and you'll print out photographs of every scene, and then you'll put those note cards on the wall. And Nick and I used a, went to those note cards a lot. So we were constantly looking at Act 2, moving them around. And we must have tried. And you would think it wouldn't be that many variations, but we must have tried 30 or 40 ways of moving Act 2 around. About what happens yeah, next. Yeah, what happens next. Which way can we go? Can we go this scene, go this scene? And, you know, one of the concerns he always had, we didn't want to lose Richard Gere too much because he kind of disappears a little bit in the middle of the movie. And, to and, focus and, on yeah. the, the actors around him. Yeah, because the beginning of the movie is all him. And then, and then the accident happens, and then you've got scenes with Tim Roth, and you've got scenes right. with the daughter, and you've got something else, and you've got a scene with Susan Sarandon. So... And, and he kind of disappears until he has to, and he has to go get Nate out of jail and there's scenes with Nate. So, you know, uh, we, we tried tons of variations. I mean, there was, there was not too many scenes we deleted. I mean, there was an extra, uh, the poor girl who was actually very good who played Nate's girlfriend really got cut out of the film. Oh, um, she was a, a, a more major character. Yeah, sort she of parallel the relationship between Richard Gere and his wife. Yeah, there was a home scene where he comes home after he picked up Richard Gere and the girlfriend's like, "What are you doing for this guy? What's going on?" And then when Richard Gere offers the money, there's a scene with her saying, "You know, you should take, you know, you take the money or don't take the money." Oh, because later in the film he says, "You told me I should take the money." Yeah. And she goes, "So you realize that's all you needed? You didn't need the yeah. scene from before. You didn't have the scene from before." We oh, were poor the money. her. Right? She got it's it's yeah. so tough on it. How hard is it on an actor when they find out they're getting cut out of the movie? Well, I ne- I'm usually never around for any of that. I mean, <laughs> the uh, the uh, I yeah. mean, she was actually very good. She's a fine actress. It wasn't, you know, well, certainly wasn't a performance thing. That's the that's was, the thing that's hard to understand for actors is that is that it's like it's just you trying to get the story told. Yeah, in as efficient a way as possible, right? Yeah, it wasn't because we had to, you know, she was very good. So, but yeah, you so liked we, your performance. Yeah, we went to that wall a lot 
figuring out how to re rearrange that the, the second act of that film. You would you wouldn't know it from watching the movie, really. You know, what was the biggest breakthrough on finally putting it in order, or, or was it was there one key moment when you go? Oh. You know, I can't remember exactly why. You know, if there was an Eureka moment, it's just we kept we must have tried, like I said, thirty versions, and we finally were like, okay, this is what's best, and we just. You know, we did delete some extra scenes. There were some extra cop scenes. There was, you know, so there were some extra scenes. Because the original cut of that film, I think my assembly was two and a half hours. And, and um, you know, so those scenes all went. Some scenes went, and then you start tightening. And then we had a cut that was like two hours and five minutes, and we're like, this is pretty good. We're all liking this, and it's two hours. How are we ever going to get under two hours? And then all of a sudden, and then, then you, then you, you bust know. through the wall, and then yeah. you realize what how brutal. Tell us about that. Is 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 it like that for? I mean, I know from the experiences that I've had that you could be staring at, you could be staring at something, and you think there's no way I'm going to get this down. And then all of a sudden, you make one change in one part of the film, yeah. And it you realize how much more brutal you can be in the rest of it. Is that is that usually? Yeah, I mean, I know with Nick. Uh, we, you know, the first three weeks, we kind of went around there. We trimmed things, we tightened things, and he's like, "Oh, the movie's great." And and then there was like, I know a, a, a light bulb went off on him, and he's like, "Wow, I gotta, I gotta." And then he he realized I gotta change everything, and then and then it became change everything. So it was it was it was uh, so we kept uh, tightening and moving things around and deleting things. Um, what was your question now exactly? No, it, 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 do you normally go through that process where you sort of, you, 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 it sort of goes in levels where first you think that the level of aggressiveness with the cutting is here and then graduates yeah. to here and then it graduates to here. It happens all the time, I think, to some extent. It's like, uh, you know, you, you see the initial things that you can pull out. You know, like initially these cop scenes went and the girlfriend scenes went. Those pulled. We're good. We're good. And then, you, then, you, then the problem you always run into on almost every movie is, you know, you got to get to, you got to get to the event. Unless it wasn't that movie, you got to get to the car accident. You got to get to the beginning of the second act. You can't spend too much time. So then it's how do we get the beginning of the movie shorter? And and you know, in my assembly, which because he did shoot it and it was done, there, the Maria Bartiromo interview from CNBC was originally a scene that took place about twenty minutes into the movie. Oh, and, really? And it was four minutes long, and it was a four-minute interview. It flows by as such a great intro to the well, character. Now it's just the intro of the movie, and it's and and that idea came pretty early that we had to put that at the front and introduce who Gear is and won't. And we won't spend, and we don't really need that whole interview. As fascinating as all that dialogue was, and it was great stuff about finance and money, and and you know, it, it just wasn't necessary. And and that you know that trimmed down, and then other things trimmed down. Um, you know, the conversation with his daughter after the birthday party. We that was probably one of the toughest scenes to cut because it was a it was. A scene that didn't have a lot of great coverage, and and um, and the dialogue. Some dialogue was important, but we, it was finally a eureka moment where we realized where we could end the scene much earlier, and we didn't need everything we had. And uh, that scene is a third of the length that originally was. I mean, it just you know we just had to get the essential stuff out. I'm apologize. I apologize because this isn't the one in the park where he's explaining everything. No, this is after this the is birthday party. They, where does he goes it into the study and into the talk. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And she says, "Why are you selling your company?" And, right. And um, you know, it's funny because you watch that scene and it feels perfectly taut and smooth and yeah. without restraint. But you're saying when you were staring at it originally, you just. It, the the script and the shooting led you to a four minute cut, and then you had to find a way to. Yeah, we had to find a way to trim it down. The park scene, which you just re referenced, the one with the daughter in the park. Yeah, the the money's gold. It was God. This thing was, was God. Yeah, this that scene was a bear. I mean, the, what you'll find on a lot of films is there a, a huge chunk of the movie will cut together beautifully, and you'll have no problem. And then there'll be like. A half a dozen scenes that you'll spend the rest of the ten weeks working on. <laughs> so, and that park was one of them. How I many mean, weeks? How many weeks to cut arbitrage from? Start uh, well, finish? it was more than ten weeks, but yeah. um, I think we were on it. Um, well, I have my initial 
six weeks of cutting it while they're shooting it. Yeah. And then, you know, then instead of the 10 weeks with the director, we probably went 15. Still not bad. No. Something like that. It's pretty quick. Yeah. 21 weeks is pretty quick. So. And you locked it after 21 weeks. Totally. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. Because I know we went from, I'm trying to remember the exact months, but. And yeah, and then park, like I said, the park was a huge scene. I mean, I think it was eight pages of dialogue. And it was tough dialogue for Gear. It was very financial. You know, Richard Gear's probably, a, he's a really nice man. I finally got to meet him near the end and of the film. And uh, he, but he knows nothing about finance. So to him to remember all those lines was a lot of work. And, and to go through that scene, it's, it's a behemoth to remember it all. It's just, it was like I said, it's eight pages of dialogue. And it's, eight pages? Yeah. How long was the script? Hmm? How long was the script? It was a normal length. It was, you know, yeah, 120 or so. Yeah. It was, but uh, th- that scene was, I think when I assembled it, was over 10 minutes long. Wow. Because it was just a big scene. So we, ultimately, I think in the final cut, it ended up being under around four minutes. Wow. But um, we had a hard time getting it. And we tried really short lengths. Like, we, we went even... And I know I made the Nick near the end because we worked on that scene like crazy. Nick near the end, he jumped on the Avid one day, pushes me out. He pushed me out of the way every once in a while, and he'd jump on the Avid and say, well, "Why don't we just do this? Chop, chop, and chop." And we'll start it here. And I did say to him, I said, "Well, this thing needed a build." And he was starting it right on the argument where they're screaming at each other. And good in theory, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. you just get that. But but it's that drive that pushes you to you know. Yeah, you. I I felt very passionately that it needed it needed that moment where they're you know explaining it and he says that's what happened and he's like you know and then it builds and it becomes something and then and then they settle down and it becomes I think it had more drama to it that way than just you know. But, you know, we tried a lot of different variations. It was like, cut this line, no, put that line back in, put this line, cut that line, cut this line. We don't need all this explanation. No, no, we do. We just, we just went back and forth. And, and, and Nick's a very bright man. I mean, he's, he's, and he knew his script backward and forward, you know, and he wrote it. And he, he could get up and recite all the lines. He had it all memorized. Right, you know, and he would just recite the lines, and and I had a hard time keeping, keeping up, up with him, him. right? Because yeah. he knows that you know, as much as I've seen the film and read the script, and I don't have the movie memorized, <laughs> right, right. So, Whereas he does, yeah. So let's go. Let's talk about it. Like, uh, by the way, there's two great stories. Are the fact that the interview was four minutes, and you it, be, it basically becomes like a a wash over, yeah. the montage of the beginning. Um, let's talk about another movie. Yeah. Kind of, uh, I think, a movie that didn't maybe necessarily get its due because I just watched it for the purpose of this. And, you know, it was a movie I meant to see. I remember seeing it advertised in trailers for it and mm-hmm. kind of came and went. And, you know, that happens all the time. You said, oh, yeah, never yeah. saw that film. Trust. 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 That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a device in this movie, in the first act mainly. That basically allowed you to do, you know, there are three three elements to story, or two elements typically that are available to a sound film. Images and dialogue to m- progress what's happening. Right. Here you have images, dialogue, and on-screen texting. Mm-hmm. And it kind of allowed you to play, to further the action of the story from two different angles or three different angles at the same time. Right. Right? Right. Was it? It's almost like cutting a silent film where you got to figure out when these things can go on the screen and how they're not going to be distracting. And you know, I mean, well, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I compare it to the silent film. film. No, but, uh, but what I'm saying is like, you know, it, it, was it was it a challenge to figure out when these bits of dialogue could go on the? Well, you know, David, to his credit, you know, he had always planned it this way. Right. This was not something that you know, uh, you know, and uh, he liked having the duality of of this conversation. It's like she's having a conversation with her parents, but yet you're seeing what the boyfriend is writing to her. I'll refer to him as the boyfriend. Yeah. The boyfriend's writing to her and what she's writing back. So there's like two conversations going on at once. Right. So that's what he really liked was that idea that there was sort of this hidden conversation, what's going on behind the parents' back and and we're get we're getting in we're getting privy to it. Right. We get to know what's going on. So it was always sort of 
that idea from the get-go with him. And the interesting thing about uh, that movie, working with David, um, was he was he had developed this script and with his, you know with his writing partner, and they directed the movie, but at the same time he was wanting he was directing the play of the film. Oh, really? Yeah, they were putting a play on in Chicago of the same story, and so he would. He he couldn't be the on-set director all the time because he was busy editing with me. But he would go on weekends and he'd fly to Chicago and and they'd go through the rehearsals and they'd go through rewriting the story. So I had to, we had we had the weird advantage, or I guess it was a weird advantage that he would work things out in the play and then come back and work him work him into the cutting room. It would be like and but the the, the two stories are completely different because which I didn't realize is he says the play has to be shorter than the film. Right. And and um, so they have lost a lot of sub of uh, you know the subplots Sometimes. of subplots that are in the movie that we could keep in the movie, right? And because uh, the play was about the main characters and that was yeah, yeah and the, the home dynamic and everything that was happening. So so yeah, but he it was an interesting way of working that he would come in and say, oh, I worked this out in the play. This is what we should try to do in the film. And, right. And he but he had a pretty good sense of knowing what. And then we had the same wall again, the wall with the cards. And we went to that wall and we moved those scenes around. And we kept trying it all the time. Right. It's, you know, it's a handy tool. Um, let's talk about the actual emergence of the, of the call him the boyfriend, the p- pedophile, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, the, the online seducer. Um, it's really creepy. Mm-hmm. It's just plain freaking Creepy, right? Uh, to see this scene play out, the way it plays out, right? Um, was it a, was that a challenge? Because it kind of hits you very quickly, and I'm, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden he's there, right? And all of a sudden there he is, and he's not. So were you trying to put us in her perspective? Was it was it was there any like was there any was it just playing around with the pieces that you had or? Well, that scene was a challenge. That's another one of those scenes that I referred to earlier where. That's one of the scenes you work and work from the day. And I said to David, when he walked in the cutting room, we started working together, I says, this scene we're going to work on until the very end. I says, this is going to be the one. And he's like, no, no, I think that scene's going to work out just fine. It's going to be no problem. I was right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it, it was a dynamic of, of, uh, of trying to figure out how to play it. And they had shot that scene in a real mall with no crowd control, so there's plenty of mall noise. So it's, it always is a struggle cutting when you've got not very good audio. So cuts. the cameras were just positioned and, positioned and you know, and, and so people you could walk by and look at camera, spike the camera, or no? Well, not that. They probably kept them away, but they, you had the noise of the mall constantly on every cut. So, and, and one of the problems we run into, which I don't, I'm not a, usually a, a sticker for continuity, but they had Leanna, who's in the film, who's fantastic. Yeah. Amazing Fantastic young girl. An unbelievable actress. Is, they'd had her hair done for the first four ta- three takes, and then on takes four and five, they came in and did her hair and did it completely different. And I don't know why. And it looked much better in those last couple, but... It, if you it, wanted you the could, performance from the first... Yeah, it, it really hampered us, because you could see the hair drastically changing when you would cut between the takes. So we we just could not we could only we were limited with her later performance, which was a was a bummer because she was really good in the earlier ones too, and it would have been nice to use some of those. But we yeah we had some troubles with that, and and it was a matter of trying to figure out how much of it we wanted to play, and how much of it, you know, that scene was originally a lot longer too, and we made very short versions. We made versions where we actually made a version where we don't even see the scene hardly. He comes, he sits down, we play it wide, and then they're walking away together, and you don't know what happened. We tried that version. We actually thought that oh, that might be the way to go. We we, we don't need this scene, and because we didn't know how that scene was going to really play for people, we were worried about it. We were worried about uh, the believability of it. You know, there's so many detractors of that movie that say. Oh, this girl should know better. Oh, she should be smarter. Oh, well, the truth of the matter feels is, this pretty, happens. Feels, it, it, I think you worked painstakingly to have it. 
you know, that the, the character himself first says he's a junior. Then he yeah. says, I'm, I'm 20. Then he says, I'm 25. Yeah. And she's getting more and more stupid. But at the same time, you don't, she doesn't want to give up the affection that she's right. getting. And then he does the same thing when he meets her. He just starts by being... Hey, I'm, you know, I'm only 35. Yeah. And he's probably 40. Right. But, you know, it's like... Yeah, and but this happens all the time, these type of situations. You know, David works with people. You know, he it's one of the charities he sponsors is the rape... Is you know it has to do with people victims of rape, so he uh, he knows about these cases, he knows about these stories, and he knows this is a real story. And he, and so when they were writing the movie, they were making sure that they knew how these guys work right. and how they come in and they they they're sweet and wonderful, and then they show you some dishonesty. They show you, hey, I'm not really this, and, and then they see what the kid will accept and what they'll accept and how far they'll go. And then it does become a point where the you know the girl might be humiliated, but she doesn't want to you know she's like well you know I should believe him you know he's here he's sweet he's or you know it it, it is a dynamic of trying to figure out how to play that scene and how to where we took it. I can't specifically remember what we cut out uh, anymore because it's been three years ago or something. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a, a scene where I know we definitely lost stuff and there was moments where. Um, He's probably being the character. His character was probably being. She got more upset. I think we had her get more. You know, originally she got more upset, and we tried to have her not get too upset. We wanted her to get upset, but not get too upset. Mm-hmm. So it was a matter of like finding that dynamic and figuring it out. And it was a scene that we worked on from the day we but started it, to the day we ended. It's an interesting first act because it really is a. a, a, a it's interesting because it. Builds to a critical moment, and then that critical moment just kind of happens, mm-hmm. and it's creepy. Yeah. And then everything that follows is even creepier. Um, even the scene, the scene with the ice cream in the shop, you're just you almost want the movie to stop because you want right. it, to, you know, you want to you want to get away from it. Um, well, I we showed that we showed a cut to uh, I mean I got Stephen Marioni to watch a cut. And yeah. I says, hey, what do you think? And and he, you know, and he had a good point. He says, you know, uh, we had, there was even more of that. And he's like saying, well, this is all very creepy. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like uh, telling me, don't, uh, you know, I know you guys see a difference and you know there's a difference between all these scenes and what, what how he's, he's manipulating and what he's building. But as an audience member that's sitting there watching it, they're just getting creeped out. And you got to remember that. You got to remember that they're just feeling creepiness. They're not feeling. We want to show all the layers of how he's laying the lies out and how he's playing her. And and we did delete a scene in the parking lot where they walk to the car and she sits in the car and he's going to drive her home and and say you know okay we're just going to drive you home and he says well you know let's go get some ice cream you know let's do this you know. And I mean, we did end up losing that scene, basically. So that was one of the scenes we lost, and I, we certainly cut stuff out of, to get that dynamic across. So, right. So know. let's talk about the, re- the the reception of the movie versus you know what you you feel about it. What you know were you was it was it was it well received or not as well received as you would have liked or? Well, it's a thing where you know with trust. Uh, yeah, I really think the movie's wonderful, and I and I think, but it's it's a film that's not going to appeal to a mass audience, and the uh, distribution wasn't handled well. I mean, it was not a film that got a push in a big way. I mean, it had to be self-distributed by Millennium, and they, um, I remember they, <laughs> this is one of my puppies. They had the premiere and didn't invite me, um, <laughs> so the. Um, the because uh, they only had like a hundred and fifty, they rented the DGA hundred and fifty seat theater. So I guess I didn't fit into the hundred. You were you just I, I didn't make the cut. You didn't right? make the cut. No, yeah, you were left on the on the. You were left in the cutting room. Yeah, I wrote floor. to David after. Yeah. I says I see you had a premiere. I wasn't there, and he says yeah. He says they didn't. They didn't. They only had one hundred fifty seats, and they had a cash bar. So <laughs> okay. So it was like okay. Um, so yeah, but I didn't know it got like. A, 20 theaters release initially and it had it didn't do well they put no advertising behind it right. I think there was a tiny ad in the LA Times I saw no 
I, no billboards, no ads, no nothing. I think it's because it falls. It actually falls into those category into a category where it's a movie about a very uncomfortable topic, right. and as compelling as a movie as it is, and it is an extremely good movie. Yeah, um, it just it's the sort of thing where you know the person selling it is a, is, is scared to push it, right. and the audience is scared to accept it. Right, and so it kind of falls into that. But, I know. I think yeah. it deserved a lot more credit than it got. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the actress is fantastic, and 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 Clive Owen's very good. He's very good. I mean, there's Catherine Keener's excellent. Yeah. Well, when is she not? Right. Yeah. But the, you know, there's. It's like I had one of those moments that I had, you know, watching Dailies and Babel, where I, you know, you start to get weepy watching. You know, I don't usually feel that way watching it dailies, but I had the same experience with the end scene of the movie where Clive's, you know, telling all the regret, regret to his daughter. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I don't remember what take for sure. I think it was around the fourth one. I'm like, oh my god, he nailed this. And I and I watched it, and I just started to get all up, you know, and the, you know, because usually if you don't. I've seen it. This is my fourth. I'm in the take four. I've seen the first three, and I'm like, uh, but take four. I'm like, I, I almost made me cry. I'm like, holy cow, because it was the one that I just said, like, there's. I don't see an ounce of performance here. There's not. I don't. Everything looks like this is the real person. There's not. There's not. I don't see any actor wheel spinning. And it's amazing when you have that happen. I had that happen when I watched Babel, where the scene where Brad's helping Kate to. To pee, I think I watched take two first. I skipped over take one, and because there was like sixteen takes, so I didn't, and I thought, well, I'm watching the dailies. I didn't have time to watch everything, so I watched take, two, and I I started to cry in dailies. I'm like, oh my, this is like, I can't believe this. It's like it was so good, and then and then I realized I thought, well, maybe it's because I watched take two first because I did the later takes just didn't seem as good, but I think take two was just that good. It was just you know. Was um, it was there? Yeah, it was there. It was, you know, it was like perfection. So, who knows? Doug Rice. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for being here. Okay. I just out of curiosity, are you working on uh, anything else right now that we should know about? I just finished. Well, I just finished Chavez. I was went in there to. Oh yeah. Work on that with Diego Luna. Um, and now he just. Died. We just locked. <laughs> Instead, no. he gets a different Chavez. No, it's the wrong Chavez. It's, yeah. it's Caesar Chavez, not Hugo Chavez. So, um, no, it, he just did a movie about um, Caesar Chavez, which is actually re, you know really good. And uh, Diego Luna was starring in it, or no? He um, he, directed he directed it. Oh, really? Yeah, the star is Michael Penney. Oh, wow! And America Ferrera plays his wife, and um, and he also has John Malkovich. Cool. Yeah, it's a good movie. And then I got a movie coming out. Uh, Spring Breakers comes out. Yeah, so uh, we're supposed to try and interview Benoit Debbie. Oh, yeah? Because I love his photography. Um, just tell us a bit about cutting that really, in, in really, in really quickly. Oh, by the way, I know we already said goodbye to you, yeah. but we're going to use this little thing called editing Yeah. to make it. That's weird. I thought that I, I was know. over. I, know. <laughs> I don't know. How, how does, do you do that? How does that work? <laughs> saying, I mean, you can do stuff out of order. I, I'm i telling you, it's this newfangled trick they got. Non-linear. You'd be surprised how many people who don't work in the industry, there's a shock. As to, <laughs> yeah, when they find that out. Those are the best questions you ever get when it's like, so you're telling me that... You don't shoot the movie in order? Yeah. <laughs> how does that work? You know, I will tell you this about Alejandro. He shoots his movies in order. He always that, shoots them. That's a that's a story you should know. That's that's I, I don't mean. He that. shoots them progressively. Twenty one grams is a movie that's all out of order. Yeah. Okay, the whole thing's out of order. But you know, it has a, a be, you know within the stories they would have a real beginning, middle, and end, right? They, right. They would yeah. have what this happened before this and this happened before yeah. that. Yeah. He shot that movie in order. He shot. He shot. Does that mean he shoots whatever happens simultaneously between all three stories on day one? No, and then, or, with, with, with whatever character that's in it. Like, oh, so he'll shoot, shoot the first story in order. Yeah. And then the second story in order. Yeah. And the third story in order. Sort of, yeah. Sort of like that. It was basically all in order. I mean, I, I, you know, I could be shooting Naomi Watts' character. She's in her house or whatever. And then he needed to go shoot her because she's at the gym. So they changed locations and shoot at the gym. Then the next scene would be back at the house. So they go back to the house. 
they changed location. They, they would keep going back and forth so that he could have this movie be in order. So he could have the actresses, the actors play their, know where their character is going. Fascinating. And, and in Babel, he tried the very same thing. Of course, we were doing our sections. We were doing Morocco. And the only th- wrench that got thrown in the works was the one little boy got hurt when they were doing the running away from shoot, doing the shooting. He fell down and cut his head. So they had, they had to send him like to London to get this, t- you know, sewed up and healed. <laughs> I think they went, or they sent him somewhere. I don't know if he went to London. But, um, so then they had to go start shooting the cop investigation part where they're mm-hmm. coming to find out um, that stuff. So then they had to go back and, um, and then pick it up. But they basically shot the movie in order. Right. So tell us about, about spring, spring Breakers. Spring Breakers. Spring I mean, Breakers. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We can, we can cut, cut the shit out of that. It's okay. fine. Well, yeah. Spring Breakers is spring great. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's, um, it's um, Harmony Corrin. Har- yeah, Harmony Corrin. Harmony Corrin. Harmony Corrin. Yeah. Is how you say Corrin. it. Harmony Corrin. So it's Sodi and Harmony Corrin. Yeah, Harmony Corrin. Okay, fine. Yeah, Harmony... Um, yeah, I, I met Har- I met Harmony on the phone. That's how I meet most of my directors. Yeah, I don't. They're usually off on location, ready to start shooting, and you know, same. That's the same way I met David Schwimmer. Same way I met John Hensley. Same way I get a call. They say, "Hey, they want to talk to you about doing the movie." So I talked with him, and and he says to me, "Mix it up, make it different. Don't you know? Um, you know, I know the script's in order, but mix up the order." So his scripts are very basic. His scripts are almost like an outline. There's, a, there's almost no dialogue in them. I think there was might be only nine or, nine or ten pages of dialogue in the whole script. And So was, the script's like 30, 40? It was 77 pages. 77 pages. So you're, you're missing a solid 40 pages of dialogue. Yeah, it's like 77 pages, and there's very little dialogue. Most of it's description, saying oh, she's wearing this color uh, nail polish, and she's got this outfit on, and... They're smoking a blunt, and and then they go in this room, and they start to crush some drug and did they you, snort it. And did you ever call them up and say, Harmony, what is a blunt? Yeah. And I that, pretty much did, would have to do that, because I'm, <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty naive. You look like you party, like, a little bit hard. No, I don't, actually. Yeah, you really? No. Don't lie to me, that Doug. bad, huh? Don't lie to me, Doug. I know I look that bad. Yeah, you're looking a little rough around the edges. Okay, well, more. Um, here's the issue. I actually have to leave this building. Okay. But I think that we got... More I think than it's enough. Low, more than enough. I think it's great. Okay. I think it's great. I think this is perfect. I saw you looking at your watch, so... Well, yeah, I, but I didn't... I, see, that's the thing about editors. They see everything. Uh-huh. They notice fucking everything. I hate that. Okay. Anyway, well, it's okay. good thing I was on time. Let me, let me intro you. Let me intro you. Okay. Okay, very quickly. Okay. Welcome back to Craft Shark. In the cut... Editor, Doug Cries. Hi. Welcome back to Craft Truck. In the cut, Doug Cries. Picture editor. Hi. 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 <laughs> I said editor first, the first time okay. I did it again. Good? All right, fine. I really think this is great. Okay.